the world is slowly realizing that uh, the humanitarian corridors are being set up, but they have been set up by the uh, Russian military for people to leave some cities uh, in the coastal regions of the Black Sea and, and get out towards other countries. Uh, these are for civilian populations. You know, as, as the uh, 1.7 million people who are fleeing the Russian attack on these Ukrainian cities, Moscow announced that uh, the new humanitarian corridors would and are set up to allow um, people to be able to leave these areas and, and move into other uh, countries uh, bordering the area. Ukrainian uh, civilians to escape the Russian attack and uh, its allied Belarus uh, are to be moved swiftly uh, on the corridor, according to uh, Kiev. The uh, the uh, action uh, or, or the demand is, is almost bordering on ethnic cleansing. Now, a day after fleeing civilians were fired upon, supposedly, allegedly, by Russian troops, according to reports. We don't even know what's happening anymore sometimes in Ukraine. Because remember, they handed out weapons to so many people. You really don't know who are the people firing on whom uh, in, in many of these instances. Although it could indeed be uh, Russian forces, uh, as some are reporting. Remember, they all use the same weapons. The humanitarian corridors are effectively on a temporary pause uh, as hostilities um, are, are being moved out of a designated area and uh, you know, this is this is uh, designed to reduce civilian casualties. But according to uh, some of the Russian forces, they claim, especially these militia forces in the Donbas region, that they're allowing some groups to bring in resupply to the people who are fighting there, and then therefore that's why they are doing their thing to block this uh, this action. Uh, also, there's a lot of people settling scores. It's been eight years of, of basically civil war, neighbor against neighbor in many of these areas. So by allowing people to evacuate safely if they want to and for humanitarian aid and food like medical supplies to be delivered uh, in the areas of the conflict, uh, there are preconditions that the Russians have set. Uh, according to uh, the, uh, the uh, uh, Ukrainian president uh, Zelensky, uh, at this point there are no clear rules governing the corridors that the Russians have set up in all parties involved in the conflict and most areas uh, should sit down and agree to them before putting such a corridor in place that may actually end up being a, a highway to hell, literally, for many of these people trying to move along these roads. Uh, there are no agreements in place at this time. Uh, they limit the access of people to these areas, and uh, they may also create conditions for retribution by other groups who may be seeking to settle old scores, whatever side they're on, be they pro-Russian or uh, pro-Ukrainian. In many instances, the humanitarian corridors, uh, as as uh, some groups are, are saying, uh, need to be have a third party, uh, perhaps not involved in the fighting, but acting as uh, peacekeepers or someone to act as guides, such as the United Nations, the Red Cross, the Red Crescent, to be present and uh, so that way uh, these people can move out and uh, these similar things were done during the Bosnian war and the Syrian civil war uh, Russia on Monday has offered to hold fire and open the corridors again in several Ukrainian cities 
uh, even as it continues the assault in other major cities and other parts of Ukraine. Uh, Zelensky has slammed the offer, which uh, basically would allow uh, civilians to flee uh, the country to either Russia or pro-Russia Belarus and not for them to go to countries of the choice, for example, uh, Moldova or areas such as, uh, um, uh, you know, toward the corridor near Hungary or the corridor that is near, um, um, uh, what was this country? Romania uh, or Poland. Uh, there seems to be, uh, you know, uh, an effort to manipulate uh, people uh, to go away from the West and go to the East, according to the Ukrainian President Zelensky. Previous attempts to establish uh, safe routes for evacuees and civilians fleeing Ukraine failed after Russian forces uh, reneged on some of these so-called agreements that were declared and uh, prevented civilians from leaving as they continued to shell the towns, the very towns, and along the near the very corridors where they were, they were being um, uh, uh, this to happen. Now, Russia has blamed Ukrainian nationalists uh, for preventing civilians from leaving via the agreed routes. They claim to have uh, recordings of uh, communications. However, again, we go back to that whole thing about, okay, where did you make the recordings and uh, how were the recordings obtained? So, you know, uh, it basically is becoming into a uh, a vast level of uh, direct international condemnation for these actions and uh, it's gotten to the point where the United Kingdom's Ministry of Defense uh, Great Britain has said that it's proposed that it would um, uh, offer to send in some kind of uh, escorts uh, civilians um, to be able to carry out routes out of Mariupol uh, and uh, some other areas. Now, there's these could be handled uh, by the Red Cross. Uh, there are areas also that they have to deal with, uh, with the Red Cross, be it the Russian Red Cross or the uh, European branches or the Ukrainian branches, so that they can be able to talk and allow these people to leave. They also have to have minesweeping units, as some of the roads and routes apparently have been mined, so that heavy vehicles such as tanks and others are not allowed to pass. Now, uh, there is a move so that all parties should be able to have a way out and, uh, the, you know, the corridors are being established in these areas. So, so it is a difficult thing to think about when you, when you look at this whole thing and, uh, you know, how difficult it is, of course, uh, for this to happen. Canada, uh, has, uh, talked about, um, you know, these, uh, these, uh, moves by Russia and, uh, you know, there, there are efforts, uh, by the Canadians and others to, uh, to, to, uh, you know, allow for people to, uh, to leave the area or, or come in on, on one level or another, um, and then figure out exactly where and how they will be able to uh, get into these uh, uh, corridors. Now, New Zealand uh, has decided that, that they might be willing to actually take some refugees as well as Australia, as, as we know, uh, for those who wish to be totally resettled and immigrate there. Um, 
this is this is uh, what is uh, is going on there, um, and uh, what needs to be done. Now there is an attempt here to to you know develop some kind of uh, direction so that there can be a way for these civilians to leave. Uh, there are methods that are are being worked out, and uh, there there needs to be more done so that uh, you know people can actually come out of these areas and uh, be able to uh, you know to to get uh, these people out of harm's way is is what they are saying as of course. That is the method that is being used at this point in time, and uh, you know there, there are various methods also being looked at with uh, ways to come forward and find the, uh, the the best way to achieve some kind of peaceful departure for these people and get them out of harm's way. Because after all, targeting civilians uh, is uh, a war crime, and uh, these efforts uh, must be uh, moved forward in ways to ensure the peaceful survival of these civilians in this area of conflict. On the Sunday shows, one of the guests that was asked uh, by uh, Face Nation was Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley was, of course, the former U.S. ambassador under President Trump, and uh, they had more success. The Trump administration dealing with Russia and keeping them in check, something that Ambassador Blinken, who's now Secretary of State, has failed to do completely. In fact, Blinken seems to blink a lot rather than do a lot of thinking. That's what you get with Blinken. With Putin still in power in Russia. Well, I think, you know, Putin's going to try. I mean, this is going to be, he's going to drag this out as long as he can. He's committed. He is an evil tyrant that we see is not going to stop until he can form the Soviet empire. He has, what we have learned and the lesson in all of this is when tyrants speak, we should listen. He said he was going to take Ukraine. He is. China said that they were going to take Hong Kong. They did. He said that he wants to take Poland and the Baltics. We should believe him. China said they're going to take Taiwan next. We should be ready for that. Iran says they want to destroy Israel. Every time a tyrant speaks, we need to remember they've told us we need to listen. You sound like somebody then that would uh, be in favor of a no-fly zone over Ukraine right now. Is that how, if, if Putin is what you describe him as, what has it, what, I guess, what guardrails should we be putting on the NATO alliance right now? No, I'm not in favor of a no-fly zone right now. What I am in favor of is the Biden administration stepping up and doing the things that will matter. We know that the one thing that punches Putin in the gut is to hit his energy sector. There is no reason we should be taking money from an enemy. We should go ahead and sanction all of those 
energy companies right now. We should remove him from the international banking system. We should be coordinating intelligence in real time with the Ukrainians. We should be leading with NATO, telling them to give the planes to Ukraine. We should be making sure that we're moving forward on giving them the missiles they need. They still, they have said that they don't have what they need. They need javelins. They need stingers. They need anti-air and anti-tank missiles to be able to do this. We've got to give it to them. We should have done all this before Putin did his first move. We were late to the game. We're still late to the game. It's not too late now, but we've got to get on the ball. Well, one could argue that there's been 20 years of appeasing Putin, uh, that there was this belief that he could be part of the world order. Was that a mistake from the get-go? No, I've always said that you cannot trust Russia. You cannot trust Putin. You can't trust Xi. You can't trust China. This is, it's common sense. I dealt with them at the United Nations. You never negotiate. You never deal with your enemies. You can't trust them. And that's why I was mortified that Biden went so far as asking China for help with Russia. I mean, you never ask an enemy for help with another enemy. I never told China anything that I didn't want Russia to know, because you know how they coordinate. See, it's the same reason why it's unthinkable that Biden would be coordinating or even thinking of getting back into the Iran deal with the Russians and Chinese at the table. Why are we negotiating and trusting enemies? You don't do that. That's the first start to being strong in America is understand who your enemies are and make sure that you let them know they that you understand them. So if you treat, you would not, there's one thing, you would treat China as an enemy, not as a as a rival, if you will. You wouldn't work with them diplomatically at all. So you know, listen to how nervous the NBC broadcaster is because they have a Olympic deal with China. <laughs> he just crapped his poop. If you were in charge right now, so you know he's really worried. Do you know what I mean? China right now has coordinated with Russia. When Biden went and told China what was going on and asked for help with Russia, what did China do? China ran and told Russia. I watched at the United Nations. Those two countries are getting incredibly close. They don't like each other. They don't trust each other, but they both want to destroy the West. Why are we waiting for that to happen? China, when they take Taiwan, this is going to blow up. Right now, Taiwan's manufacturing half of the semiconductor chips. What do Americans use? They use their phones. They use their computers. They drive cars, all of that will be disrupted. Why are we relying on China to give us medical supplies when we saw how they handled COVID in the world? We've got to wake up. America has to wake up and we have to start being smart to deal with these tyrants. We can't let them continue to run all over us. And this is what is happening basically um, because much of the ultra liberal lefty media in uh, the United States is, is playing this kind of game. They don't seem to get it or they do get it, and they're under orders to allow it to be done. Matthew McConaughey was on Joe Rogan's experience recently, and he called out Hollywood for uh, its condescending far-left attitude and its being anti-religion. And anyone who is a person of faith in Hollywood, McConaughey says, has to basically sit on their hands when anybody says, praise the Lord, or they love Jesus, or Jesus saved them even to take the name of the Lord on a stage, getting an award produces reactions that are somewhat unexpected by others who pray in private, but refuse to praise in public. Here's McCarthy McConaughey. But in society now, I mean, we're, 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 <laughs> we're making people persona non grata. 
uh, because of something they 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 do, or and, you know, and, and 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 that is that is right now deemed wrong, uh, or it's the hot point and a hot topic right now. You can't erase someone's entire existence. Where the heck does some forgiveness go? And again, that like optimism, it's not erasing the crisis. It's not saying there wasn't a problem first. It's not saying that there's version parts of the Bible that have been people have bastardized and used in the wrong way. Um, but you don't throw the whole book out and say, well, it's all, it's all bad then. It's all used because that's it's false. Have you encountered difficulty expressing this uh, in Hollywood? You know, Hollywood is uh, yeah, yeah. predominantly left-wing and very secular or Jewish in some circles, but it's not like a place where like, Christian fundamental values are espoused openly. You know, a lot, a lot of Jewish folks are in the Hollywood, and that seems to be okay with a lot of people. But some other religions, particularly if you're a fundamentalist Christian or if you have Christian values, a lot of people frown upon that. Why? Why, why do you think that is? And have you, have you had difficulties with that? I don't know. If I, I haven't had difficulties. I have had, and I won't throw any people under the bus, but I have had. Um, Moments where I was on stage receiving an award in front of my peers in Hollywood. And there were people in the crowd that I have prayed with before dinners many times. And when I thank God, I saw some of those people go to clap, but then noticed that, <laughs> well, <laughs> well, it's going to be a bad thing on my resume, and then sit back on their hands. <laughs> oh, wow. On the Sunday shows, one of the guests that was asked uh, by uh, Face Nation was Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley was, of course, the former U.S. ambassador under President Trump. And uh, they had more success, the Trump administration, dealing with Russia and keeping them in check. Something that Ambassador Blinken, who is now Secretary of State, has failed to do completely. In fact, Blinken seems to blink a lot rather than do a lot of thinking. That's what you get with Blinken. With Putin still in power in Russia. Well, I think, you know, Putin's going to try. I mean, this is going to be, he's going to drag this out as long as he can. He's committed. He is an evil tyrant that we see is not going to stop until he can form the Soviet empire. He has, what we have learned and the lesson in all of this is when tyrants speak, we should listen. He said he was going to take Ukraine. He is. China said that they were going to take Hong Kong. They did. He said that he wants to take Poland and the Baltics. We should believe him. China said they're going to take Taiwan next. We should be ready for that. Iran says they want to destroy Israel. Every time a tyrant speaks, we need to remember they've told us we need to listen. You sound like somebody then that would uh, be in favor of a no-fly zone over Ukraine right now. Is that how, you, if, if Putin is what you describe him as, what has it, what, I guess, what guardrails should we be putting on the NATO alliance right now? No, I'm not in favor of a no-fly zone right now. What I am in favor of is the Biden administration stepping up and doing the things that will matter. We know that the one thing that punches Putin in the gut is to hit his energy sector. There is no reason we should be taking money from an enemy. We should go ahead and sanction all of those 
energy companies right now. We should remove him from the international banking system. We should be coordinating intelligence in real time with the Ukrainians. We should be leading with NATO, telling them to give the planes to Ukraine. We should be making sure that we're moving forward on giving them the missiles they need. They still, they have said that they don't have what they need. They need javelins, they need stingers, they need anti-air and anti-tank missiles to be able to do this. We've got to give it to them. We should have done all this before Putin did his first move. We were late to the game. We're still late to the game. It's not too late now, but we've got to get on the ball. Well, one could argue that there's been 20 years of appeasing Putin, uh, that there was this belief that he could be part of the world order. Was that a mistake from the get-go? No, I've always said that you cannot trust Russia. You cannot trust Putin. You can't trust Xi. You can't trust China. This is, it's common sense. I dealt with them at the United Nations. You never negotiate. You never deal with your enemies. You can't trust them. And that's why I was mortified that Biden went so far as asking China for help with Russia. I mean, you never ask an enemy for help with another enemy. I never told China anything that I didn't want Russia to know because you know how they coordinate. It's the same reason why it's unthinkable that Biden would be coordinating or even thinking of getting back into the Iran deal with the Russians and Chinese at the table. Why are we negotiating and trusting enemies? You don't do that. That's the first start to being strong in America is understand who your enemies are and make sure that you let them know they that you understand them. So if you treat, you would not, there's one thing that you would treat China as an enemy, not as a as a rival, if you will. You wouldn't work with them diplomatically at all. So you know, listen to how nervous the NBC broadcaster is because they have a Olympic deal with China. <laughs> he just crapped his poop. If you were in charge right now, so you know he's really worried. Do you know what I mean? China right now has coordinated with Russia. When Biden went and told China what was going on and asked for help with Russia, what did China do? China ran and told Russia. I watched at the United Nations. Those two countries are getting incredibly close. They don't like each other. They don't trust each other, but they both want to destroy the West. Why are we waiting for that to happen? China, when they take Taiwan, this is going to blow up. Right now, Taiwan's manufacturing half of the semiconductor chips. What do Americans use? They use their phones. They use their computers. They drive cars all of that will be disrupted why are we relying on china to give us medical supplies when we saw how they handled COVID in the world we've got to wake up america has to wake up and we have to start being smart to deal with these tyrants we can't let them continue to run all over us and this is what is happening basically um because much of the ultra liberal lefty media in uh, the united states is, is playing this kind of game they don't seem to get it or they do get it, and they're under orders to allow it to be done. Matthew McConaughey was on Joe Rogan's experience recently, and he called out Hollywood for um, its condescending far-left attitude and its being anti-religion. And anyone who is a person of faith in Hollywood, McConaughey says, has to basically sit on their hands when anybody says, praise the Lord, or they love Jesus, or Jesus saved them even to take the name of the Lord on a stage getting an award produces reactions that are somewhat unexpected by others who pray in private but refuse to praise in public. Here's Matthew McConaughey. We're in society now. I mean, we're, 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 we're making people persona non grata. 
uh, because of something they 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 do, or and, you know, and, and and that is that is right now deemed wrong, uh, or it's the hot point and a hot topic right now. You can't erase someone's entire existence. Where the heck does some forgiveness go? And again, that like optimism, it's not erasing the crisis. It's not saying there wasn't a problem first. It's not saying that there's version parts of the Bible that have been people have bastardized and used in the wrong way. Um, but you don't throw the whole book out and say, well, it's all, it's all bad then. It's all used because that's, it's false. Have you encountered difficulty expressing this uh, in Hollywood? You know, Hollywood is uh, yeah. predominantly left wing and very secular or Jewish in some circles, but it's not like a place where Christian fundamental values are espoused openly. You know, a lot, a lot of Jewish folks are in the Hollywood, and that seems to be okay with a lot of people. But some other religions, particularly if you're a fundamentalist Christian or if you have Christian values, a lot of people frown upon that. Why? Why, why do you think that is? And have you, have you had difficulties with that? I don't know. If I, I haven't had difficulties. I have had, and I won't throw any people under the bus, but I have had. Um, Moments where I was on stage receiving an award in front of my peers in Hollywood. And there were people in the crowd that I have prayed with before dinners many times. And when I thank God, I saw some of those people go to clap, but then notice that, <laughs> well, <laughs> well it's a bad thing on my resume, and then sit back on their hands. <laughs> oh, wow. So you see, this is, this is the problem. It's not just in Hollywood, it's also in media. Um, you know, as a Christian, as as a born again Christian, as someone who is accepting Jesus as his personal savior, someone who stands up for God whenever I possibly can, who stands up for life, uh, you 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 tend to find out you're getting less work because of it. And you know, it's okay. Blessed are the persecuted; they shall inherit the earth. Uh, you know, these things do come to pass, and 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 sometimes you you deal with it, you move on from it, you you work towards. Uh, you know, the, the eventual goal, knowing, of, of course, that this is just, you know, part of our way station in our existence. And, uh, you know, uh, this isn't the end all of everything, uh, nor is your success on a, on a stage or on a screen or on a, a social media platform. Success is, you know, how, how you have interacted with people and whether it's been positive or negative. Uh, have you done your best to, you know, uh, uh, pray for those who may have hurt you or, or may have done something to you or, or those who may have, you know, left you behind or, or thrown you away because uh, they think there's something, you know, possibly uh, uh, wrong with siding with someone who isn't as successful as they once were or, or not as achieving as, as they could be. Uh, whether it's because of uh, financial reasons or, or, in my case, physical reasons. You know, I'm, I'm legally blind. And then every day, you know, I get up in the morning, I'm just so happy. And, and I say, thank you, Lord, for the vision I still have left. Because every day I know that a little bit of it is going away. It's just, it's just the way that glaucoma works. It, uh, it steals your vision very, very slowly. And, and, and faith in God is the, sometimes the only thing I have, you know. And, and I talk to people and I try and get in touch with people. And, and I, I see people uh, 
you know, tell me, well, you know, go see your doctor. And sometimes I have to tell me, you know what, doctors don't want to do anything anymore. Uh, doctors basically look also at your political leanings. I mean, I had this group, you know, that basically is supposed to be from the state of New York. They're supposed to be the ones helping people like me, you know, get your training, get everything. And then you, you make a slight change in your schedule and it's don't call us, you know, we'll call you. And when they call you, they call you on a on a phone number or leave a message with an email or send something to an address that you no longer are at. Well, guess what? You know, <laughs> they tend to forget that three years earlier you actually had all their proper communication and information showing you where they were supposed to contact you. But hey, that's something I could take up with uh, good old Kathy or the other gubernatorial candidates. I mean, if there is something that needs reform, it is with, uh, you know, billions of dollars are thrown at social work projects in New York State and New York City. There are beautiful multi-million dollar apartment buildings that are up all over the city of New York that have set aside uh, supposedly affordable options within their housing complexes. And you find out many of these so-called affordable options, well, they're only going to a select few who happen to be registered with, uh, you know, the Communist Party of America's main outfit, which is, uh, you know, sometimes they call it, ironically, uh, I call it broken families, but they call it working families because that's, that's a political group here in New York City that actually sets themselves up as a pro-family party, but does everything they can do to break up families, to get kids out of the home as early as possible, and to make sure that it's mostly single-parent households they're dealing with. The reason for this is, especially among social democrats, especially among groups like the, the, the demonic socialists of America, as I like to call them, or, or the DSA, uh, what is their ultimate goal is to divide people so they can rule them. Just like the Soviet Union, they want to make sure, just like in old Russia, in communist Russia or in communist China, that the individual is broken up to the least common denominator, that parent is set against child, grandparent against grandchild, uh, that the families are divided up. Just like what Matthew McConaughey is saying, they do the same thing in Hollywood. They want to make everyone possible suffer the misery that is common. And in common misery, you will find communism. Because that is what it is all about. Essentially, for those who want to take a concept that they originally got out of the Bible. That's, that's the most ironic thing, you know, with, with, with Marx and Engels and Lenin. When they looked at early Christian communities, where sharing was, was important, where the community was the most important thing, where cooperative natures of relationships were used to better society. Just like what Mr. McConaughey just told us a little while ago. You know, even if he is an actor, maybe he, he's acting because he's planning to go into politics pretty soon. But just like that, you're looking at these situations wherein people want a better way. And the best way, the truth, light, is through Jesus Christ. A lot of people don't want to hear that. They get scared when they hear that name. They can't say Jesus. They only say it with some kind of anger in their voice. 
because to them, that is that is wrong. I remember this one political group that I'm, I'm, I'm part of um, on Facebook, and there was this older member who was so angry that somebody put religious content on his page that he had to read something about religion. But he's from San Francisco, so it's understandable. And he was so angry about it. He'll never put that on this group. The thing that was funny was he was never a part of the group in the first place. You know, uh, someone had added him because they thought he might want to, you know, enjoy being a part of that group. At the end of the day, he tried to take it over and make it secular. And yet, this is supposed to be a conservative organization. This is supposed to be a pro-Christian organization. It's supposed to be more of a Christian Democrat group. And they don't understand that. They don't get it. So as people of faith, if you understand what is going on, you begin to see there is a lot, a lot that still has to be, you know, brought up. Throw somebody's illegitimate that is so condescending and patronizing to is it? Come on, Matt. I didn't mean that. That is so condescending and patronizing to 50% of the world that need the empathy that the liberals have gives and should give um, to, 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 to throw somebody's illegitimize them because they say they are a believer. It's just so arrogant. Uh, and in some ways hypocritical to me. To me, it's wrong. Why can't you say that, Mr. McConaughey? It is wrong. You know, those who believe in nothing should never get angry because someone has something. And that's just basically it. There's too many atheists who get angry because somebody else believes in something. And they believe in nothing. And that's just basically it. Something versus nothing. I'd rather take something. Because that shows that we have a future. I'm Mike of New York. We're coming back with more as we come along. And when we come along... We would like to bring you to. Uh, okay, what what is what is what is what is what is she up to? Okay, I I, I always get worried when uh, when I uh, listen to Governor Hochul's uh, press conferences uh, when when she comes out. But, uh, you know, she, she's basically talking about, you know, a new era. She's in Rochester, New York. Anybody's ever been to Rochester? <laughs> I've often passed through in the middle of the night, uh, either on a train or on a bus. And uh, she's talking about, um, you know, how things can be improved in, in Rochester. Um, and, 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 and how things can improve even further for the city. Now, of course, the Democrats have long wanted to take full control of Rochester, but it's always been a 50-50 city. It's always been equally divided between Republicans and Democrats, pretty much. And you know that one of the biggest leaders in the African-American community, politically, came from Rochester, New York. You know? And uh, uh, Stephen Douglas... Uh, you know, who, who, who fought for, for so many rights, for so many people, was, uh, was uh, you know, very, very much alive with, with what he was doing. And uh, his, his statue uh, was, was desecrated in, in Rochester because, uh, you 
know, there, there are people who just don't want it uh, to be talked about. Anyway, so she's talking about Rochester, the governor, uh, good old Kathy. I met her once or twice. I think she gave an award to uh, one of my kids once. But let's listen to what uh, Kathy has the to say. Of several local Ukrainian American organizations. And it is a, can you raise your hands, please? What? I want to thank you for reminding all of us that we are part of one family. And I had a chance to visit members of the Ukrainian community when I was a member of Congress a decade ago. And I realized how vibrant it was and it still is. This is the largest Ukrainian population per capita in the country, I believe. And so that is significant. Over 40,000 individuals here who are really making a significant contributions, but also at this time uh, when the homeland is under attack by dictators and people who want to uh, just subjugate the great people of this country. We will not let that happen. We'll continue to stand with all of you, as I've said since the beginning. Our arms are open up to all the refugees. I've been on speed dial with the, uh, the White House and the State Department to say, this is the land of the Statue of Liberty and a place of the largest Ukrainian-American population in America. And that's therefore we want to welcome them and embrace them and help them restore that sense of dignity that is under siege right now as well. We want them to go back home once their country is resumed under the Ukrainian power. But until then, make this your home. We will take care of you. We've talked to many social services organizations to say, how are we going to do this? So I really, truly hope that before long, we'll be able to welcome them here and know that 20 million New Yorkers stand with all of you during this time of great pain and sorrow. So I want to recognize all of you as well. So, you know, that is uh, Governor Hochul. She's saying, you know, uh, New York will open its door to the people from Ukraine. You know, as, as, a, as a grandchild of uh, refugees, both on my mo mother and father's side, you know, my, my granddad on my, on my mom's side was a refugee who ironically came from Russia, um, but was also um, on my great-grandparents' side, uh, someone who came from, from that area, from, from um, uh, you know, Lithuania, Poland, Ukraine, that, that entire region of, of uh, Central Eastern European nature was, was uh, my great-grandfather's side. Uh, and he settled down in the uh, area of Zamwanga, known back then as the Jangas, and later on, moving over to Dipolo in uh, Zamwanga province in the southern Philippines. That's the Winters family. Still a lot of winters, so even if it doesn't snow, there's still a lot of winters in, in Mindanao in the southern Philippines. And, uh, of course, later the Kanaizev family, Russian stock, primarily, uh, settled in, in the same region. And they intermarried, and that was my mom's side of the family, on my father's side. Uh, you know, my, my grandmother came out of uh, Tascan and uh, Eastern uh, Europe after, you know, the, uh, the uh, Russian uh, revolution took place. They fled to Vladivostok, and eventually from Vladivostok, moved to Shanghai, where she met my granddad, who was, of course, a... Uh, pre-Israel Israeli uh, Isaac Cohen came out of uh, an area in Israel um, and uh, eventually uh, converted to Christianity married my grandma and moved to the Philippines and that's where my dad was raised he was born actually in Shanghai China so that's some interesting little bit of information about me 
and uh, my past the future that is what is important for these refugees let's pray for them let's pray for ukraine let's pray for all these people who are in need right now remember prayer works and i'm not just saying that that's all for me for now we will be back with more later on i am mike of new york Throw somebody's illegitimate that is so condescending and patronizing to it. Come on, Matt. I didn't mean that. That is so condescending and patronizing to 50% of the world that need the empathy that the liberal side gives and should give. Um, to 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 throw somebody's illegitimize them because they say they are a believer. It's just so arrogant. Uh, and in some ways hypocritical to me. To me, it's wrong. Why can't you say that, Mr. McConaughey? It is wrong. You know, those who believe in nothing should never get angry because someone has something. And that's just basically it. There's too many atheists who get angry because somebody else believes in something. And they believe in nothing. And that's just basically it. Something versus nothing. I'd rather take something. Because that shows that we have a future. I'm Mike of New York. We're coming back with more as we come along. And when we come along, we would like to bring you to... Uh, okay, what, what, is, what, is, what, is, what is... What is she up to? Okay. I, I, I always get worried when uh, when I uh, listen to Governor Hochul's uh, press conferences uh, when when she comes out. But uh, you know, she she's basically talking about you know a new era. She's in Rochester, New York. Anybody's ever been to Rochester? <laughs> I've often passed through in the middle of the night, uh, either on a train or on a bus. And uh, she's talking about. Um, you know, how things can be improved in, in Rochester um, and, 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 and how things can improve even further for the city. Now, of course, the Democrats have long wanted to take full control of Rochester, but it's always been a 50-50 city. It's always been equally divided between Republicans and Democrats, pretty much. And you know that one of the biggest leaders in the African-American community, politically, came from Rochester, New York. You know? And uh, uh, Stephen Douglas, uh, you know, who, who, who fought for, for so many rights for so many people, was, uh, was uh, you know, very, very much alive with, with what he was doing. And uh, his, his statue uh, was, was desecrated in, in Rochester. Because, uh, you know, there, there are people who just don't want it uh, to be talked about. Anyway, so she's talking about Rochester, the governor, uh, good old Kathy. I met her once or twice. I think she gave an award to uh, one of my kids once. But let's listen to what uh, Kathy has to say. There's several local Ukrainian American organizations. And it is a, can you raise your hands, please? I want to thank you for reminding all of us that we are part of one family. 
and I had a chance to visit members of the Ukrainian community when I was a member of Congress a decade ago, and I realized how vibrant it was, and it still is. This is the largest Ukrainian population per capita in the country, I believe. And so that is significant, over 40,000 individuals here who are really making uh, significant contributions, but also at this time uh, when the homeland is under attack by dictators and people who want to uh, just subjugate the great people of this country, we will not let that happen. We'll continue to stand with all of you, as I've said since the beginning. Our arms are open up to all the refugees. I've been on speed dial with the, uh, the White House and the State Department to say, this is the land of the Statue of Liberty and a place with the largest Ukrainian-American population in America. And that's therefore we want to welcome them and embrace them and help them restore that sense of dignity that is under siege right now as well. We want them to go back home once their country is resumed under the Ukrainian power. But until then, make this your home. We will take care of you. We've talked to many social service organizations to say, how are we going to do this? So I really, truly hope that before long, we'll be able to welcome them here and know that 20 million New Yorkers stand with all of you during this time of great pain and sorrow. So I want to recognize all of you as well. On the Sunday shows, one of the guests that was asked uh, by uh, Face Nation was Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley was, of course, the former U.S. ambassador under President Trump. And uh, they had more success, the Trump administration, dealing with Russia and keeping them in check. Something that Ambassador Blinken, who is now Secretary of State, has failed to do completely. In fact, Blinken seems to blink a lot rather than do a lot of thinking. That's what you get with Blinken. With Putin still in power in Russia. Well, I think, you know, Putin's going to try. I mean, this is going to be, he's going to drag this out as long as he can. He's committed. He is an evil tyrant that we see is not going to stop until he can form the Soviet empire. He has, what we have learned and the lesson in all of this is when tyrants speak, we should listen. He said he was going to take Ukraine. He is. China said that they were going to take Hong Kong. They did. He said that he wants to take Poland and the Baltics. We should believe him. China said they're going to take Taiwan next. We should be ready for that. Iran says they want to destroy Israel. Every time a tyrant speaks, we need to remember they've told us we need to listen. You sound like somebody then that would uh, be in favor of a no-fly zone over Ukraine right now. Is that how, if, if Putin is what you describe him as, what has it, what, I guess, what guardrails should we be putting on the NATO alliance right now? No, I'm not in favor of a no-fly zone right now. What I am in favor of is the Biden administration stepping up and doing the things that will matter. We know that the one thing that punches Putin in the gut is to hit his energy sector. There is no reason we should be taking money from an enemy. We should go ahead and sanction all of those energy companies right now. We should remove him from the international banking system. We should be coordinating intelligence in real time with the Ukrainians. We should be leading with NATO, telling them to give the planes to Ukraine. We should be making sure that we're moving forward on giving them the missiles they need. They still, they have said that they don't have what they need. They need javelins. They need stingers. They need anti-air and anti-tank missiles to be able to do this. We've got to give it to them. We should have done all this before Putin did his first move. We 
we're late to the game. We're still late to the game. It's not too late now, but we've got to get on the ball. Well, one could argue that there's been 20 years of appeasing Putin, uh, that there was this belief that he could be part of the world order. Was that a mistake from the get-go? No, I've always said that you cannot trust Russia. You cannot trust Putin. You can't trust Xi. You can't trust China. This is, it's common sense. I dealt with them at the United Nations. You never negotiate. You never deal with your enemies. You can't trust them. And that's why I was mortified that Biden went so far as asking China for help with Russia. I mean, you never ask an enemy for help with another enemy. I never told China anything that I didn't want Russia to know because you know how they coordinate. It's the same reason why it's unthinkable that Biden would be coordinating or even thinking of getting back into the Iran deal with the Russians and Chinese at the table. Why are we negotiating and trusting enemies? You don't do that. That's the first start to being strong in America is understand who your enemies are and make sure that you let them know they that you understand them. So if you treat, you would not, there's one thing that you would treat China as an enemy, not as a as a rival, if you will. You wouldn't work with them diplomatically at all. So you know, listen to how nervous the NBC broadcaster is because they have a Olympic deal with China. <laughs> he just grabbed his poop. If you were in charge right now, so you know he's really worried. Do you know what I mean? China right now has coordinated with Russia. When Biden went and told China what was going on and asked for help with Russia, what did China do? China ran and told Russia. I watched at the United Nations. Those two countries are getting incredibly close. They don't like each other. They don't trust each other, but they both want to destroy the West. Why are we waiting for that to happen? China, when they take Taiwan, this is going to blow up. Right now, Taiwan's manufacturing half of the semiconductor chips. What do Americans use? They use their phones. They use their computers. They drive cars all of that will be disrupted why are we relying on china to give us medical supplies when we saw how they handled COVID in the world we've got to wake up america has to wake up and we have to start being smart to deal with these tyrants we can't let them continue to run all over us and this is what is happening basically um because much of the ultra liberal lefty media in uh, the united states is, is playing this kind of game they don't seem to get it or they do get it, and they're under orders to allow it to be done. Matthew McConaughey was on Joe Rogan's experience recently, and he called out Hollywood for um, its condescending far-left attitude and its being anti-religion. And anyone who is a person of faith in Hollywood, McConaughey says, has to basically sit on their hands when anybody says, praise the Lord, or they love Jesus, or Jesus saved them even to take the name of the Lord on a stage getting an award produces reactions that are somewhat unexpected by others who pray in private but refuse to praise in public. Here's McCarthy McConaughey. We're in society now. I mean, we're, 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 we're making people persona non grata uh, because of something they, they, they do or, and, you know, and, and, and and that is that is right now deemed wrong, uh, or it's the hot point and a hot topic right now. You can erase someone's entire existence. Where the heck does some forgiveness go? And again, that like optimism, it's not erasing the crisis. It's not saying there wasn't a problem first. It's not saying that there's version parts of the Bible that have been people have bastardized and used in the wrong way. Um, but you don't throw the whole book out. 
and say, well, it's all, it's all bad then. It's all these, because that's, it's false. Have you encountered difficulty expressing this uh, in Hollywood? You know, Hollywood is uh, yeah. predominantly left wing and very secular or Jewish in some circles, but it's not like a place where Christian fundamental values are espoused openly. You know, a lot, a lot of Jewish folks are in the Hollywood, and that seems to be okay with a lot of people. But some other religions, particularly if you're a fundamentalist Christian or if you have Christian values, a lot of people frown upon that. Why? Why, why do you think that is? And have you, have you had difficulties with that? I don't know. If I, I haven't had difficulties. I have had, and I won't throw any people under the bus, but I have had. Um, moments where I was on stage receiving an award in front of my peers in Hollywood. And there were people in the crowd that I have prayed with before dinners many times. And when I thank God, I saw some of those people go to clap, but then noticed that, <laughs> well, well be a bad thing on my resume and then sit back on their hands. <laughs> oh, wow. So you see, this is, this is the problem. It's not just in Hollywood, it's also in media. Um, you know, as a Christian, as as a born again Christian, as someone who's accepted Jesus as his personal savior, someone who stands up for God whenever I possibly can, who stands up for life, uh, you 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 tend to find out you're getting less work because of it. And you know, it's okay. Blessed are the persecuted; they shall inherit the earth. Uh, you know, these things do come to pass, and 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 sometimes you you deal with it, you move on from it, you you work towards. Uh, you know, the, the eventual goal, knowing, of, of course, that this is just, you know, part of our way station in our existence. And, uh, you know, uh, this isn't the end all of everything, uh, nor is your success on a, on a stage or on a screen or on a, a social media platform. Success is, you know, how, how you have interacted with people and whether it's been positive or negative. Uh, have you done your best to, you know, uh, uh, pray for those who may have hurt you or, or may have done something to you or, or those who may have, you know, left you behind or, or thrown you away because uh, they think there's something, you know, possibly uh, uh, wrong with siding with someone who isn't as successful as they once were or, or not as achieving as, as they could be. Uh, whether it's because of uh, financial reasons or, or, in my case, physical reasons. You know, I'm, I'm legally blind. And then every day, you know, I get up in the morning, I'm just so happy. And I, and I say, thank you, Lord, for the vision I still have left. Because every day I know that a little bit of it is going away. It's just, it's just the way that glaucoma works. It, uh, it steals your vision very, very slowly. And, and, and faith in God is the, sometimes the only thing I have, you know. And, and I talk to people and I try and get in touch with people. And, and I, I see people, uh, you know, who tell me, well, you know, go see your doctor. And sometimes I have to tell them, you know what, doctors don't want to do anything anymore. Uh, doctors basically look also at your political leanings. I mean, I had this group, you know, that basically is supposed to be from the state of New York. They're supposed to be the ones helping people like me, you know, get your training, get everything. And then you, you, Make a slight change in your schedule, and it's don't call us. <laughs> you know, we'll call you. 
And when they call you, they call you on a on a phone number or leave a message with an email or send something to an address that you no longer are at. Well, guess what? You know, <laughs> they tend to forget that three years earlier you actually had all their proper communication and information showing you where they were supposed to contact you. But hey, that's something I could take up with uh, good old Kathy or the other gubernatorial candidates. I mean, if there is something that needs reform, it is with uh, you know billions of dollars just thrown at social work projects in New York State. In New York City, there are beautiful multi-million-dollar apartment buildings that are up all over the city of New York that have set aside uh, supposedly affordable options within their housing complexes. And you find out many of these so-called affordable options, well, they're only going to a select few who happen to be registered with, uh, you know, the Communist Party of America's main outfit, which is, uh, you know. Sometimes they call it, ironically,、uh, I call it broken families, but they call it working families because that's that's a political group here in New York City that actually sets themselves up as a pro-family party, but does everything they can do to break up families, to get kids out of the home as early as possible, and to make sure that it's mostly single-parent households they're dealing with. The reason for this. Is especially among social democrats, especially among groups like the, the the demonic socialists of America, as I like to call them, or, or the DSA.、Uh, what is their ultimate goal? Is to divide people so they can rule them, just like the Soviet Union. They want to make sure, just like in old Russia, in communist Russia, or in communist China, that the individual is broken up to the least common denominator. That parent is set against child. Grandparent against grandchild,、uh, that the families are divided up,、and、just like what Matthew McConaughey is saying. They do the same thing in Hollywood. They want to make everyone possible suffer the misery that is common, and in common misery you will find communism, because that is what it is all about. Essentially, for those who want to take a concept that they originally got out of the Bible. That's, that's the most ironic thing, you know, with, with, with Marx and Engels and Lenin, when they looked at early Christian communities, where sharing was was important, where the community was the most important thing, where cooperative natures of relationships were used to better society, just like what Mr. McConaughey just told us a little while ago, you know, even if he is an actor, maybe he, he's acting because he's planning to go into politics pretty soon, but just like that. You're looking at these situations wherein people want a better way, and the best way, the truth, light, is through Jesus Christ. A lot of people don't want to hear that. They get scared when they hear that name. They can't say Jesus. They only say it with some kind of anger in their voice, because to them. That is that is wrong. I remember this one political group that I'm, I'm, I'm part of on, on Facebook, and there was this older member who was so angry that somebody put religious content on his page that he had to read something about religion. But he's from San Francisco, so it's understandable. And he was so angry about it. He'll never put that on this group. The thing that was funny was he was never a part of the group in the first place. You know,、uh, someone had added him because they thought he might want to. 
you know, enjoy being a part of that group. At the end of the day, he tried to take it over and make it secular. And yet, this is supposed to be a conservative organization. It's supposed to be a pro-Christian organization. It's supposed to be more of a Christian Democrat group. And they don't understand that. They don't get it. So as people of faith, if you understand what is going on, you begin to see there is a lot, a lot that still has to be, you know, brought up. Throw somebody's illegitimate that is so condescending and patronizing to is it? Come on, Matt. I didn't mean that. That is so condescending and patronizing to 50% of the world that need the empathy that the liberals have gives and should give. Um to 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 throw somebody's illegitimize them because they say they are a believer. It's just so arrogant. Uh, and in some ways hypocritical to me. To me, it's wrong. Why can't you say that, Mr. McConaughey? It is wrong. You know, those who believe in nothing should never get angry because someone has something. And that's just basically it. There's too many atheists who get angry because somebody else believes in something. And they believe in nothing. And that's just basically it. Something versus nothing. I'd rather take something. Because that shows that we have a future. I'm Mike of New York. We're coming back with more as we come along. And when we come along, we would like to bring you to... Uh, okay, what what is, what is, what is, what is, what is she up to? Okay. I, I, I always get worried when, uh, when I, uh, listen to Governor Hochul's, uh, press conferences, uh, when, when she comes out, but, uh, you know, she, she's basically talking about, you know, a new era. She's in Rochester, New York. Anybody's ever been to Rochester? <laughs> I've often passed through in the middle of the night. Uh, either on a train or on a bus. And uh, she's talking about, um, you know, how things can be improved in, in Rochester um, and, 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 and how things can improve even further for the city. Now, of course, the Democrats have long wanted to take full control of Rochester, but it's always been a 50-50 city. It's always been equally divided between Republicans and Democrats, pretty much. And you know that one of the biggest leaders in the African-American community, politically, came from Rochester, New York. You know? And uh, uh, Stephen Douglas, uh, you know, who, who, who fought for, for so many rights for so many people, was, uh, was uh, you know, very, very much alive with, with what he was doing. And uh, his, his statue uh, was, was desecrated in, in Rochester because, uh, you know, there, there are people who just don't want it uh, to be talked about. Anyway, so she's talking about Rochester, the governor, uh, good old Kathy. I met her once or twice. I think she gave an award to uh, one of my kids once. But let's listen to what... Uh, Kathy has to say. Of several local Ukrainian American organizations. And it is a, can you raise your hands, please? I want to thank you for reminding all of us that we are part of one family. And I had a chance to visit 
members of the Ukrainian community when I was a member of Congress a decade ago, and I realized how vibrant it was, and it still is. This is the largest Ukrainian population per capita in the country, I believe. And so that is significant, over 40,000 individuals here who are really making uh, significant contributions, but also at this time uh, when the homeland is under attack by dictators and people who want to uh, just subjugate the great people of this country. We will not let that happen. We will continue to stand with all of you, as I've said since the beginning. Our arms are open up to all the refugees. I've been on speed dial with the, uh, the White House and the State Department to say, this is the land of the Statue of Liberty and a place of the largest Ukrainian-American population in America. And that's therefore we want to welcome them and embrace them and help them restore that sense of dignity that is under siege right now as well. We want them to go back home once their country is resumed under the Ukrainian power. But until then, make this your home. We will take care of you. We've talked to many social services organizations to say, how are we going to do this? So I really, truly hope that before long, we'll be able to welcome them here and know that 20 million New Yorkers stand with all of you during this time of great pain and sorrow. So I want to recognize all of you as well. So, you know, that is uh, Governor Hochul. She's saying, you know, uh, New York will open its door to the people from Ukraine. You know, as, as, a, as a grandchild of uh, refugees, both on my mo mother and father's side, you know, my, my granddad on my, on my mom's side was a refugee who ironically came from Russia, um, but was also um, on my great grandparents' side, uh, someone who came from, from that area, from, from um, uh, you know, Lithuania, Poland, Ukraine, that, that entire region of, of uh, Central Eastern European nature was, was uh, my great-grandfather's side. Uh, and he settled down in the uh, area of Zamwanga, known back then as the Jangas, and later on, moving over to Dipolo in uh, Zamwanga province in the southern Philippines. That's the Winters family. Still a lot of winters, uh, even if it doesn't snow, there's still a lot of winters in, in Mindanao in the southern Philippines. And, uh, of course, later the Kanaizev family, Russian stock, primarily, uh, settled in, in the same region. And they actually married, and that was my mom's side of the family, on my father's side. Uh, you know, my, my grandmother came out of uh, Tascan and uh, Eastern uh, Europe after, you know, the, uh, the uh, Russian uh, revolution took place. They fled to Vladivostok, and eventually from Vladivostok, moved to Shanghai, where she met my granddad, who was, of course, a... Uh, pre-Israel Israeli uh, Isaac Cohen came out of uh, an area in Israel um, and uh, eventually uh, converted to Christianity married my grandma and moved to the Philippines and that's where my dad was raised he was born actually in Shanghai in China so that's some interesting little bit of information about me and uh, my past, the future, that is what is important for these refugees. Let's pray for them. Let's pray for Ukraine. Let's pray for all these people who are in need right now. Remember, prayer works. And I'm not just saying that. That's all for me for now. We will be back with more later on. I am Mike of 